0: Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs or groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, this is one of those gifts from your apostle. that we live in. Uh, it's one of those gifts that we hold on to. Uh, this word is a gift. And I pray that we would receive it as the way we receive one another and as the way we receive you. Uh, bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to begin with a little bit of fun. This is fun for me. It may not be fun for you, but it's fun for me. So there you go. Um, And because Justin is here, I'm going to start with one of his favorite things. Uh, this This is a morning where I'm beginning with, well, I'm going to share with you my favorite cartoon characters, okay, my top five, okay, my top five, all right. And so there's an honorable mention, though. So it's number six, all right? There's an honorable mention, and I just have to do it um, for Justin's sake. Yes, it's the Hulk, okay? We know about the Hulk, right? Yeah, that's right. We know about the Hulk. The Hulk's pretty cool, huh, Justin? Yeah, he's nodding his head. Of course the Hulk's pretty cool. He's, he's great, you know, uh, taking care of the world, saving the world uh, as he pounds on people. <laughs> anyway, whatever, um that was for you justin that was that was for you that's he's not really in my top five he might be in my top six just for your sake all right um so, but i have another one and uh these cartoon characters i'm going to tell you they're going to date me a little bit okay i'm sorry i'm sorry you don't watch cartoons do you watch animation you don't know what they are they want see <laughs> see i grew up on that i grew up you look old too she's saying that she looks old too okay all right if you're old i want to be can i be as old as you because i i mean I, I would love that so uh okay all right well yeah i it was a i was a saturday morning cartoon kid okay so there you have it it's 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 is gonna date me but that's the way it goes all right and some of you are gonna go yeah i like this one of course wiley wiley coyote right the best. You see, the best. I, Larry knows. It's, he, he, while E. Coyote is the best. I mean, the guy was absolutely brilliant. He had some sort of contract with the Acme Corporation. You know, remember that? I'll tell you what. No, he's had such a hard head, too. I, I oh Boy, literally, not figuratively. He was open to all kinds of new ideas of how to get the roadrunner. Okay, I had I had number. He's number five. Okay, and then the next one is it's got go, I got to go there because my wife always says that this is who I am, and I don't know. I'll let you judge on that one. But Charlie Brown. <laughs> I mean, amen to that. Uh, I don't know. He's he's uh he's not any good at kicking the football. Uh, you know, I was actually not bad at the kicking the football when I was a little kid. I was a pretty good punter, so to speak. At least I thought I was, until I slipped in a punt and what do they call it? Punt passing kick and I s one time I slipped and the ball went straight up. I lost that event. Okay, well Charlie Brown, don't even need to say anything about him, you know about him. And then this is this one this one, I gotta tell you, Richard Mertz, he actually he warmed my heart in recent years to this particular character and I started realizing, yeah, he actually is that good. He actually is that good. Yes, indeed. Foghorn Leghorn. Do you remember Foghorn Leghorn? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, my favorite episode is when Foghorn Leghorn gets together with the weasel. Remember the weasel? You, know? you remember that? It was great. Yeah, was always wanting to eat the dog and stuff, and then eat the chicken. And fantastic. What great Southern accent, big deep voice. It's just a fantastic guy. Fantastic. Okay. All right. And then this is not going to surprise you, considering. You know, I sort of became a friend with the uh, with, with this particular character, at least the voice of this character. Kind of became a friend. I had 30 minutes when we were in Hawaii, right? I had 30 minutes with, and and the conversation was fantastic. Okay, uh, Craig T. Nelson, uh, his voice is in this car- Mr. Incredible. I mean, now that's me. I thought. <laughs> okay, all right. And then this one. Now my favorite one of all. Okay, I gotta admit, it's favorite for today because it fits today. Don't tell the congregation, but it's not really my favorite. But, but, it works today. So I'm making him number one today. Making him number one today. Because he really is a good guy. And in many ways, I want to be like him. Here it is. You're gonna go, oh, when you hear this probably. Piglet. Was I right? I was right. Piglet. Everyone likes Piglet. What's not to like about Piglet? I mean, I don't think there's anyone more humble. The truth is, you really stop and think about this. Is there anyone in all of the animated world who's more godly than Piglet? I mean, you really stop and think about it. Just kind of just try to penetrate this character and you go, wow, he really does display godliness, doesn't he? Um, I, I'd like to be like that, at least in that sense. Uh Piglet. I have something to share with you here. You probably can't read that, but it says, you see, Piglet is holding Pooh's hand, and it says, any day spent with you is my favorite day. That's for my wife, by the way. It's 30 years today. Yeah, I just... So today is my new favorite day, right? That's what it says, yeah. Um but I have another one that's more in, in to the point for this message. And here it is. And again, you'll probably you might no, that's not that's not it. That's not it. I just punched on the wrong one. How did it go there? I have no idea. It got messed up. That's sli- oh, there it is. There it is. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart he could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Think about that, especially you young people who are smaller. I don't see a lot of them here, but... Maybe you don't see yourself as being very special. You're David or Bruce Banner. That's good, Justin. That's good. Okay. He had a very small heart, but he can hold a very large amount of gratitude. Um, God can do amazing things through you. You may see yourself as being not very important. Let me tell you something. You're super important. You may see yourself, figuratively speaking, as being very small. i tell you what you can do. You can hold a large amount of gratitude. What does gratitude do for us? I have a quote uh, it's not from a Christian per se, but it's this great quote, and it's a quote that I would actually, you know, I would, I would propose to you that it's a quote that, that is worth living in for at least for a few moments. Gratitude, this is by Melody Beattie, she's a writer. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough. Some of us don't have very much. Materially speaking, maybe in terms of our position in life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast. I love that. A house into a home, a stranger into a friend. You know, if we just stop for a moment and just think about what we should be thankful for, life changes. Uh, We were singing this this song here. Chrissy had us singing, um, Oh, How He Loves Us. And I couldn't help it, but I started just thinking through all the things in my life that God had done. Of course, you know, I'm a little bit of an emotional guy and started just a little bit. You've noticed that? You've noticed that? Okay, well, try not to overly do it. I really do try not to overly do it. But I just am so thankful for what God has done in my life. I mean, he's given me the most beautiful wife in the whole world. I know you don't want me to point that out, but it's a reality. You are. There's just nothing you can do about it. And a son like Justin and three other children and parents who are gone to be with the Lord now and friends like you. I'm very thankful. Very, very thankful. You you know what gratitude does for us? It does this thing right here. Gratitude breeds awareness. You know, when you're not thankful for the things that God has given you, you turn in on yourself, and you can't see those around you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you and you become unaware of the things and the people and the, and the places that God gives you. Gratitude breeds awareness. That's the great thing about Piglet. Piglet is full of gratitude. Small heart, incredible amount of gratitude. You think Piglet sees things? Of course he does. He sees all kinds of things that others look past. Um, I... uh. I, I pointed out a, uh, a a sermon a message to a couple of people in the Sunday school class that i that i' uh, that I've run up at least up until now uh the preacher's name is Jim Simmba. Are you familiar with Jim sila Some of you are maybe a few if you haven't go and just look him up online. you may love him uh he, I think he's a great preacher uh he has a great sermon on uh my house should be called the House of Prayer. And uh, when Jesus comes in and cleanses the temple, Uh, it's it's a sermon he preached in 1994. But one of the things he says in that sermon that just just really stuck with me, he says, some things are so familiar to us that that's the danger. That's the danger. And he's referring to that passage. Um, Some things are so familiar to us that we stop being thankful for them, that we lose our gratitude. Um, And so the question is this morning is, what is so familiar to us as Christians that we fall into the danger of taking it for granted. What would that be in your life? Would it be your spouse? Would it be the Bible? Take it for granted. Maybe you don't read the Bible. Maybe a life of prayer. You go, well, I do it enough. You know, I do it here and there. I, I prayed last week one time. What it would be? What is it? You know, I think there's one thing that we take for granted. These many of us do. It's very easy to do. And even when we hear a song about it over and over and over again, we still take it for granted. You know what that is? It's God's love. I just think there's something about God's love that we so easily just say, "Okay, that's there," but you know, whatever. Right? We easily take it for granted. A piglet would not take it for granted at all. All right. Um, God's grace is an expression of God's love, by the way. I'm going to take it back to Romans 5, Romans 5 for a moment. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, boy, I could just stop right there. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand now Paul is using this uh, this this verse, verse two. He's using an architectural image, trying to sh- show us that that grace is the is a, is a foundation in our lives that we can stand upon grace. So it says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. But I started thinking about this, and I realized that grace is also an expression of God's love, and, and it's not just. If you'll give me some freedom here to expand the imagery or just change the change the metaphor a little bit. Okay, um, I think that, there's, that, that we can say this, right? Uh, think of it as our being fish for a moment, just for fun, okay? Our being fish. Fish, I don't know because I've never really interviewed a fish. I've tried, but they don't talk back very well, okay? But I just have the suspicion that fish don't know that they're wet. Do they? Do fish know that they're wet? I don't think they have any concept of, it, of being not wet, I don't know, okay? But fish don't know that they're wet. So I think they, t- I think they take water for granted. And I think that's kind of like us. It's kind of like us. Um, I put up there, uh, what's water? I think it's Christian sometimes who say, love? What's love? What is that? I know that's something that we sing about on Sunday morning. Occasionally I hear the pastor talk about love. Um, but I haven't had a whole lot of love at home, perhaps. And I don't get a whole lot lot of love at school or at work. And when I do get a lot of love, I kind of forget that it's there. Uh, We're kind of like fish. What's love, you see? Um, We need to remember something about love here before we get into our main text this morning. Um, Not only are we to be aware of God's love, but we are to be aware that we are to love him. You see, a little reminder today about God's love and about our, the necessity of our loving God is very important. We need to remember that we are to love him, and we are to rem- we are also need to remember, as I read earlier this morning, this idea that God loves us first. 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. You see, that's very, very important stuff. Okay, so our scripture today. Our scripture today. Romans eight. Yes, we are moving through Romans. I preached out of Proverbs last week. I might give a couple more sermons this summer out of Proverbs, just for fun. But we are in Romans, and we're going to get through Romans by what twenty thirty five, or something like that, right? But we're in verse twenty eight of chapter eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His Purpose, right? Um, amazing promise, isn't it? I you notice I highlighted or emboldened the all things here. Uh, that's it's it's an amazing thing. All things certainly include suffering here. Suffering is part of life. It's part of the Christian life. Uh, I had this. Uh, I do this bookmark, and I sometimes not sure. Who's following it? I know that Cindy's group follows it most of the time, if not all the time. Uh, I do a bookmark for the for the following week for people to be able to kind of go through, the uh, give them a daily text, and so that you all can go through that to kind of be prepared for the sermon. Uh, this last week, I uh, gave them uh, basically five days. I think it's five days. Five days in Genesis. And it was the Genesis story about Joseph. If you've read Genesis before... You know that there's this guy named Joseph. He's a son of Jacob. And he has a really difficult time. And his his brothers betray him. And they throw him in, in a pit. And then they sell him off into slavery. And he goes to Egy- Egypt. Now this is the guy, he's a good guy, right? Well, I was a little proud. But he's a good guy. And he goes off to Egypt. And he's sold to uh, Potiphar, who is this, kind of like this... He has, he's a very wealthy man in Egypt, but ultimately he gets kind of cheated by, his, by Potiphar's wife. and brought, I don't want to go through the story in detail or anything, but he basically he gets thrown into prison. And then next thing you know, you know, he ends up finally getting raised up through prison. He gets raised up to be second person in all the kingdom of Egypt. It's a famous story, and I really suggest you read it. But, but the amazing thing about this story is that at the end of it, after his brothers have been delivered because of his place in his place in Egypt, there was a famine in Israel and so forth. And these, these brothers come to uh, his whole family, come to uh, Egypt, and there's a great statement in 50 verse 20 about what God has done. Uh, the most famous uh, statement in Genesis, well, one of the most famous, certainly the most famous in that whole story, 50 verse 20, where it says, "As for you, you meant evil against me," talking to his brothers. But God meant it for good. We need to keep that frame of mind, right? That there's bad things that happen to us. And sometimes those bad things that happen to us, God actually means them for good. That's really challenging to us. But this is what it says here. 50 verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We should not be surprised at all if we suffer. Peter says this about our suffering. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I get that all the time from people, by the way. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or Why do bad things happen to good Christian people? Get that kind of stuff. The gospel said the, the New Testament tells us, look, don't be surprised by it. This is not like some sort of like oh no we didn't we weren't prepared for this thing no the New Testament understands this after all our Lord was crucified, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon comes to, upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to to you, it's not strange you should expect it, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Be thankful when bad things happen to you because God can use it. Now that's challenging to us. And I don't think that we should always be telling people that um, And when we have these conversations. We have to be careful about what we say. Oh, it's so good that you're suffering. It's so good that you're going through a bad things. God's going to use it for good. And they look at us and they go, you, don't, you know what, that's so trite. I don't need that stuff. And they walk away. We've got to be careful about saying this. But that's the truth, right? As Christians, when bad things happen to Christians, particularly because they're Christians, because they're Christians, God's going to turn that around. If we keep believing and we keep being faithful, God's going to turn that around for good. All right. That's very, very important to understand. Uh, but here's, here's the promise. Here's the promise. So visiting that promise again that's so important. Okay. Back in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, after all, the Spirit has been praying for us, right? That's what it says in the couple of the verses earlier. We know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm not going to really spend any time on the whole calling to his purpose. That's another sermon down the road. But I do want us to think about for a moment what is good. What is this good thing that Paul's talking about? What does good mean in Romans 8, 28? Well, here's one thing that it means. Okay, And a lot of commentators miss this for some reason. I'm not sure. Why? But one of the good things, and if not the best thing that God does in the midst of our suffering, our trials, and so forth, is he produces character. This is so important. God absolutely wants the way that we respond to our circumstances to be second nature. Second nature as opposed to first nature. You know what first nature is, right? First nature is where you got to think about it. Well, I can't can't respond until you think through it and so forth no second nature when a bad thing happens of course you just respond with love You respond with grace because that's who we are I don't have to think about whether or not to love someone who hurts me if someone hurts me immediately i want i want to forgive that person that's second nature it should be that should be where what we go for remember what jesus what did jesus say in the sermon on the mount he said love your enemies <laughs> Why should you love your enemies? Love your enemies so that you will be like your Father who is in heaven. Because that's who God is. God loves his enemies. It should be second nature to us, love our enemies. Good here points to our character. Now Paul will say something about this in uh, uh, in chapter 12. I don't know if you can read that very well, but this is what it says, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Now we're talking about character, the way that we think, the way we respond. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be like Jesus, you see. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Start thinking like him. By the way, it's a great promise, right, because people always tell me, well, we can't think like God. Baloney, you certainly can think like God. That's one of the major lessons of the New Testament is that we actually begin to think like God. Now, we don't know how everything works. I don't understand E equals MC squared, but you know, we can think like God in the sense that we understand His values. Anyway, I'm getting off a little bit. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God... What is good and acceptable and perfect. So he's talking about our character here, because we begin to understand what the will of God is in any particular situation, and we just respond the way Jesus would respond. Good points to our character, but he's not only talking about character in 8:28. he's talking about something else as well. Points to the redemption of our bodies. We're going to make it, friends. We're talking about Christ's return in our end state. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel like that guy up there. Now, I'm not dancing like the guy on the screen is, all right? But I'm starting to feel the age coming on. Christine and I have been married 30 years. Is that possible? I don't think it's possible, but apparently it is and don't let her know this, but I'm starting to feel some aches and pains here and there occasionally. my shoulder hurts, you know you know I've had some knee problems, things are starting to get to me I know you all are all perfect. you don't have issues like this, but I do, okay, and so you know amen to this, the redemption of our bodies that's that's a great thing that we're finally going to going to receive okay, enough of that all right so uh, now we get it I just we have to talk a little bit about this idea of loving God. Notice this. and we know that for people, all things work together for good. That's not what it says, does it? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It's kind of like Joseph. Right? the story of Joseph in Genesis. Despite all the problems, despite the prison time, despite that his reputation was damaged, despite all that stuff, you get a good sense, man. He still loves God. He trusts Him. For those who love God, all things work together for good. So, so what does it mean? What does it mean to uh, to love God? Right. Well, in our culture, it means feelings, doesn't it? It means to love God means to have that feeling for God. It's that sentiment uh, for God. It's this emotional response. You know how this, as a song goes, you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips and there's no tenderness. Like before, in your fingertips, you're trying hard not to show it. Baby. But baby, baby, I know it. You lost that love and feeling, right? I know you're just saying, boy, let the pastor keep on singing and make a fool of himself, OK? it goes, you don't have to clap. It's all right. I know how good I am, you know? goes on though you know you lost that love and feeling whoa that love and feeling you lost that love and feeling now it's gone 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 oh okay so so this is the way we think though right and there's a place for emotional life and love okay so yes yes it is my 30th anniversary today and emotions is a part of marriage i love you and when i say that i don't you know one of the things i mean is that i'm emotionally tied to her right so emotions is a part of love and so there, I'm not saying that that emotions shouldn't be a part of it but it's not the primary way that we love God and actually I'll just say this it should not be the, it should not be the primary way we love one another if it's the primary way we love one another you know what's going to happen to our relationship what our marriage relationship it's going to be gone it's going to be gone in a few minutes it's not going to last right you know how we are called to love one another why we're called to love God is primarily covenantal faithfulness. Now, here's where my advertisement comes in, all right? Because pretty soon um, I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm just going to go go to the next slide here. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to offer this class, and this is on video, but it's really good. She does a fantastic job. Her name is Sandra Richter. She's a professor at Westmont. She's taught at Asbury Seminary, where I went to school. Um, She's a really great teacher and she's going to help us understand what it means to be in covenant, a covenant relationship with God. She's going to put the Old Testament and the New Testament in perspective. She's really good, really good at this stuff. And so I'm just like kind of just beginning to kind of plant the seeds here. Okay. When you see the opportunity to take this class, come along, take this class, right? The Epic of Eden by Sandra Richter, right? Um, but one of the things that she highlights in this class is the importance of covenantal faithfulness. How does God love us? He loves us uh, because hes we can count on him. You see? Um, let's, let's take a look at uh, how Paul uses love in the book of Romans. He uses it 13 times. So that's about once a chapter, per se. But the first time he uses it is in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've already talked about this a little bit, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access to this, by, by faith into this grace in which we stand, in which we swim, <laughs> and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God, our hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. Do you see the good that he's pointing out here? And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because You know what by the way, you know what that means? Hope does not put us to shame? It means that God is so faithful, you can count on him so much that the things that we teach and preach will be vindicated. That the world will see that when we when we talk about the gospel, it's gonna they're gonna see that it's true. He, hope does not put us to shame jesus really is coming back julie real, jesus really is coming back to, ch- to judge the world and hope does not put us to shame because you can depend on god how do we know we can depend on god god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us we know we can depend on god god is faithful to his covenant god is faithful to the new covenant that he made through jesus christ and we know that because of what he said but we also know it because of the way that we live our lives day in day out we experience the love of god the nearness of god the closeness of god in our lives and he's working around us and he's working in us god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us and he's working to make us more and more like jesus christ in the holiness tradition we call that holiness god's love has been poured into us through the holy spirit we know that god is absolutely faithful covenantal faithfulness this is the way in which we know that god is 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 with us and we can depend upon us and the holy spirit has been given to us to help us be faithful how do we love god it's not just emotional friends look i'm the most emotional guy i might be the most emotional person in this room i don't know but i'm pretty emotional and you see me sometimes with tears and so forth because i love god and it's just streaming down my face i have that emotional connection but that's not really what we're talking about we're talking about being faithful in the things that God's given us. What does it mean to love God? Primarily, it means to be faithful to the things that He's called us to. Don't tell me that you love God, but you have something against your brother or sister. Don't tell me that you're not going to forgive your brother or sister. Don't tell me that because God won't receive it. You say, oh, I love God. Well, really? Well, tell me about your, your relationship with Jane. Tell me about your relationship with Bob about your relationship? how are you doing with others? you holding grudge against someone Then tell me how can, how can you possibly love God? because you can't love God and hold disdain toward others or unforgiveness. Now it, I, I can go down a long road here in terms of forgiveness because forgiveness is again is not only emotional it's about decision making. Here's the deal Here's the deal it's really important okay. Love equals obedience. Bottom line. Didn't Jesus say something about that? John 14, 21, check it out. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is, you can put she in there if you want, doesn't matter, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's all about being, uh, being faithful to the covenant that God's given us in Jesus Christ. Love equals obedience. Now, this gets back into the book of Romans, right? Because in the book of Romans, you have what we call inclusio in terms of, of inductive study. But inclusio, because Paul starts off the book by talking about the obedience of faith, and he ends the book by referring to the obedience of faith because there is no such thing as faith and love without obedience. I'll let you work out what obedience is to you. But I'll tell you this. It's all about relationship. You know what I think it is? I think primarily it's about being like Piglet. You know what Piglet wants to do? We've already said it. Piglet wants to spend time with Pooh. Pooh. <laughs> You think it's hard for Piglet to be obedient? Oh, I don't know if I want to spend time with you, Pooh, because after all, Pooh, um, well, I mean, I guess I do want to spend time with you, Pooh, because I love you. Oh, I don't want to spend time in prayer today. I don't want to spend time trying to like study the Bible. I don't want to spend time with people in the church. I don't want to spend time with other Christians because, because, you know, I don't like these things. Maybe you're not a Christian. A Christian doesn't even have to think about being this way because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I can just imagine Piglet talking to Pooh. Hey, Pooh. Pooh. Don't worry about all those really tough things that you're going through, Pooh. I'm going to be with you, Pooh. And by the way, we know that for those who love God, like you, Pooh, all things work together for good. And this is my favorite day. God has given you this day to be your favorite day. Would you pray with me? Father, there's many things that we can aspire toward. But there's nothing greater than aspiring to be like a little pig in a drawing. Because that little piglet behaves like Jesus. I know that the creator of piglet was trying to show what a child how a child responds and should respond, what the nature of childhood is. And we want to be children like that. Not that we're not mature in our thinking. Far be it that we would be immature in our thinking, but that in our hearts we would be obedient and we would want to be obedient. So Lord, make this church like Piglet. (laughs) Because I know, Lord, that you want to make this church like Jesus Christ.